Hey there, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Samira Stalks. This is a podcast about the dreamers out there and their stories of entrepreneurship. So if you're curious, creative, and you're ready to make an impact on this world, then this is for you. Welcome to episode six with me, your host, Samira Sohail. Today I'm with Mark Jenner, an ardent cyclist who's created Beeline, a new navigation product for urban cyclists for greener, cleaner living. It helps them find those quiet nugget routes in cities that they otherwise wouldn't find using the ordinary Google Maps. In this episode, we'll hear about his ingenious strategy of partnering with a design agency that handles all the production logistics with their Chinese manufacturers, how they managed to raise their Kickstarter target of 60K in just three days with an email list of only 500 people as opposed to the recommended 5,000, why he's been hanging out at Studentville in Cambridge to source talent for the tech behind the product, and lastly, his attempts to reach out to Jennifer Aniston as a brand ambassador, given she used to be a cycle courier in New York. Enjoy. Hi, Mark. Thanks Hi, for be- Samira. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show today. Uh, you're very welcome. So, Mark, in elevator pitch style, tell us what Beeline is. So, Beeline is a product for cyclists. Um, it's a device that sits on your handlebars and uh, helps you navigate while you're riding your bike. Cool. And so, you've had quite a colourful background yourself from uh, being a teacher to a management consultancy and now an entrepreneur. But something has stayed constant then. You've always been an ardent cyclist. So tell us why you love cycling and how it's helped you create Beeline to be what it is today. Okay. Um, Yeah, I could talk for for quite a while on how much I love cycling. I'm a big fan. Uh, Yeah, I I started, um, even from being a kid, I was really into cycling. Um, I used to do, I was really into doing tricks and doing like wheelies and jumps and stuff like that when I was a kid. So, and that used to get me some street cred. Um, I wasn't as good at football as the other boys. So the bike stuff got me some cred, which is good. BMX stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, And then I, um, so I liked that kind of cycling. And then later on, I did a lot of mountain biking and off-roady stuff. So um, I enjoyed the kind of outdoorsy uh, being being out in the countryside, I enjoyed that too. Um, and then when I moved to London, I found that I actually liked road biking as a way to go out at the weekends and do, um, yeah, just get out of the city, I guess, and just a bit of escaping from, from the, the normal big smoke. Um, and I started a little group uh, <laughs> that, that, I, that I self-branded as the Weekend Wheelers. Which was an exclusive group. <laughs> it was very, very <laughs> open to everyone. Um, but yeah, we just had a, yeah, an email list of people that we would get together on the weekend. And we still do that occasionally. It's died down a little bit recently. But yeah, we still do that quite a lot. Um, but so, so, there's, so I guess what I like about it is that there are different varieties of it. You can do, it's almost like three or four sports in one, trying different types of cycling. Um, but I also use it as my main mode of transport. So, you, you know, instead of getting the tube, I would just ride my bike to places. Um, and, you know, that's great because it's cheaper. It's, it keeps you fit um, kind of in your day-to-day life. And everyone's so short of time that kind of fitting in a little bit of exercise in between your commute or whatever, um, that's cool. Uh, you know, it's more fun. It's faster than walking. <laughs> I mean, what's not to like? That's <laughs> true. Um, so yeah, and then it's led me to do this business, which which is also you know which I'm I'm getting a lot out of at the moment. So yeah, big fan of cycling. 
Good. And so uh, talk through a little bit about when that aha moment came, when uh, uh, you thought, okay, I love cycling um, and there's a space for this product to be there. Yeah. Um, so it was actually, so Tom is my co-founder. We worked together on Beeline. Um, and, and Tom and I were having lunch one day and we talked for quite quite a while about um, starting a business or, or just at least trying something on the side. Yeah. We were both in full-time jobs at that point. And, um, and yeah, we were, I, I'd literally ridden my bike to go for lunch with Tom and then I was moaning about the fact that I got lost on the way and blah, blah, blah. It's annoying to get your phone out. And, uh, and, and we came up with this idea and we just thought, well, let's just try and make that product. That'll be quite a fun thing to do. Um, learn how to make a product. I'm sure it will take, you know, it won't take very long. We'll have it in the shops by in a few months. No, no problem. Um, and so we started working on that as a as a side project. Mm. And that was never really. We never thought we would start doing that as a as a full time business. But then the more we got into it, the that I guess we um, realized that it was a lot more work than we thought it was going to be to do that. But also realized that it was actually a, a kind of a, a feasible business to run um, rather than just being a little hobby project. Okay. And so that's kind of, it was a, the aha moment was then back at the lunch, but the, it, it kind of developed over time. Okay. And then, so let's get under the bonnet of Beeline a bit and mm-hmm. talk about, yeah, the intricacies of how it works, so how the technology works and... Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, so Beeline... The product is, there are two elements to the product. There's the hardware, um, which is the device that you attach to your handlebars, um, uh, which has, which is effectively like a, looks almost like a digital watch face. It's got a, a screen on it. Um, and then there's the app, which is, uh, which allows you to actually interact with the device. So the way it works, you attach the device to your handlebars, you take out the, the phone and the app that you've downloaded onto there, you search for the destination that you want to get to um, you find it you put your phone away and then you ride your bike to that destination with the guidance from the um, the device on your handlebars uh, the, it's very very we've tried to make it very simple and very um, user friendly so the interaction with the app is very quick and then when you when you're actually riding rather than turn left down this road turn right down this road it's telling you to the general direction to where you want to get to is over there and it's this far away and then it's down to you as the rider to choose which route which roads you take um, now we've tested this quite a bit and we think that's actually a much less stressful way to get around a city when you've got so many roads to choose from that really you just need your sense of direction mm. and then you can it's more enjoyable it's less stressful you can find your way there choosing the roads that you want to ride on does it help for you avoid the main roads well it's down to you so if okay. you so if you just need to you know where you need to get to yeah um and if you see a main road and you don't want to ride on it <laughs> then just don't ride on it <laughs> and then it will alter the needle and you'll go somewhere yeah, else exactly. and, and you'll still get there but it right. might take a bit longer it could do yeah so um you know we in the test so far it's proven to be pretty efficient if you follow it by like if you just take the roads that go in that direction but yeah if you don't want to if you see a road you don't want to take it don't take it, it. Look, don't take it it's fine just just carry on it'll still tell you where you need to go great um so you've just had a really successful funding uh round through kickstarter yeah uh so can you tell us a little bit about why you picked them and also about how you think you made that 
kind of successful? Yeah, so um, you know there there are various options for which uh, type of crowdfunding platform. I mean, I guess before that, why did we do that at all? Mm. Um, in particularly for making hardware, where you're actually manufacturing a physical product, you've got lots of setup costs to get you to the point where you can then actually like produce those and give them to retailers or or ship them to customers. Um, and so the great thing about Kickstarter or similar platforms is that you can get your money that you need to do that upfront costing before you go through that process. Mm. So we, we we did our campaign in November. So at the end of November, we got um, money from the pre-orders from that campaign, but we don't have to actually ship them until August. So that just helps our cash flow position and helps us get to the point where we can actually ship them. Without that, it would be very, very difficult for someone like us to just go ahead and do that because you do need upfront cash to actually yeah. do that. Um, so that's why we did the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, why did we choose Kickstarter? Because uh, we just thought that just looking at previous projects, they had a really great audience of cyclists. Okay. Um, and we knew that's who we needed to reach. So um, in the end, you, you, you followed the audience. And so you'd um, already built up a fan base, kind of a be A small one, us? a yeah. small one, and yeah. how did you go about doing that? Um, I guess, to well, the, the starting point was that we, amongst our own networks. Yeah, um, weekend wheelers. Weekend wheelers. I mean, I already, had, <laughs> I already had a thriving kind of cyclic community um, right there, um, which was about 20 people. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> yeah, but it all helps. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, and then so through our own networks, I mean, our, our friends were really great throughout that whole process. And um, we were, I mean, we worked hard at, at making it a, a project and like a, a transparent process that people could also kind of be involved in. And so we, you know, we created our, our Facebook page and Instagram feed and stuff and started taking pictures of all the like shoddy prototypes that we made and, <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that. I just think allows people to feel involved. Yeah. And so, yeah, we did have a lot of people, m many of whom don't really ride a bike yeah. but they just liked being involved in that process of developing a product yeah and um and so we had a bit of a following there uh, i'd say we had less of a following prior to the kickstarter campaign than than lots of of campaigns would have okay um i actually think we if anything our nervousness going into that was that we didn't have enough of a following enough backing yeah, en yeah. En enough people who were kind of you know just who we knew were just gonna yeah help pledge straight yeah. away um, and that, like, that's often the advice. The advice we got quite a lot was that you need to have um, something like, you know, you need to have email lists that oh, are like five thousand people, <laughs> yeah. um, and you just assume that only five percent of them are actually going <laughs> to buy anything. Um, and so, what were your stats? Do you remember? We so our email list was five hundred people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. And do you know just, what percent of them did actually purchase? No, actually, we never figured that out. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, but quite a high percent. I mean, there were people who were proper and supporters. Just, like, what was your funding target? And then what did you raise? Uh, yeah. yeah, so we, our target was £60,000. Okay. And we raised £150,000. Boom. Yeah, we hit the 60 in three days. Wow. Which is, yeah, which is the statistic that we, <laughs> we'll probably see quoted in many places. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so that, that equates to over 3,000 backers, um, so supporters of our campaign. And um, yeah, three and a half thousand products 
that we're now, we, we now have pre-ordered that will be shipping in August. Okay. Which is great because the, the other important thing about um, getting pre-orders is that it allows you to meet the kind of minimum order quantities of the manufacturers. Okay. And typically they'd be something like 5,000. Um, and so we can manufacture 5,000, 3,500 are going to Kickstarter backers and then we've got 1,500 of, of stock, which is not too much. You can, yeah. you can handle that. You can shift that somewhere. Yeah, we'll, we'll flog that. <laughs> no worries. Um, so a lot of companies these days are looking to uh, to source production in the east. Yeah. And uh, yeah, how have you found that process? And yeah, um, so we're quite lucky in that. And I, I mean, you'll hear lots of stories of it being very, very difficult to mm. find the right manufacturer. I think there's lots of, um, you know, that there's lots of people have bad experiences trying to do that independently okay um and for that reason you have lots of companies that act as that middleman the agent um yeah exactly um we're quite lucky in that our business is partly owned by the design agency that we work with okay um and they have an established relationship with the chinese manufacturer i see so that they we, often work with they've worked with on other projects and yeah. that you know they they have had a good experience so we benefit from that relationship and so I mean, I don't want to jinx anything because yeah. we're still going into through that process. So yeah. maybe in a few months, you know, I'll have another <laughs> story. But right now, everything's looking pretty good. Um, and yeah, we're, we're in that lucky position where someone else has already been through the pain of finding the right manufacturer. Cool. Um, so I was, uh, well, I did my cycling proficiency. Ah, yeah, good. <laughs> it's school. very important. <laughs> At school with my uh, shiny vest on. Yeah. Um, but I am still too scared to cycle on the roads, mm. uh, particularly in London. Yeah. And I know a lot of my peer group are. Um, it's one accident after the other in the mm. papers every day. I mean, what are your feelings towards London being a cycle safe city? Uh and uh, you know what 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 cities out there are um, like should London aspire to be like, and what do you think needs to be done here, really? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like you said, the statistics speak for themselves. There's lots of bad things happen on uh, to cyclists in London. Um, I mean, there's obviously there's nothing inherently dangerous about cycling. It's you know if if it's all the other stuff. Yeah. I mean, if you were. If if there were no pavements, then people would be saying that walking is dangerous. Um, but that that's you know yeah. the, that the infrastructure is designed to make walking safe, mm. and so I think what needs to happen is that the infrastructure needs to be put in place to well that what, one one way is that the infrastructure is put in place so that you have cycle lanes in, on more roads as you do in places like you know Amsterdam for yeah. example or Copenhagen mm. um, where things are just really good for cyclists. And there's some interesting stuff that I read about um, about the the history of that. And if you go back to, I think, somewhere, sometime in the 70s, yeah. actually Amsterdam and London were very similar with respect to the proportion of journeys done on a bicycle versus on a, in a motor vehicle. But um, Amsterdam made, made policy changes in one direction. London made policy decisions in the other direction. And that's where... That is since then that mm, the, the, divide. The, the divide has happened. Um, so, so which which makes you think it's nothing. It's not necessarily anything inherent about our culture either. Yeah. It's just a case of policy and yeah. where money is invested. So um, yeah, I'd love to see more cycle lanes. I guess 
the other thing is that you, if pe- if people just knew, I, I, when I cycle through London, um, on the on the routes that I know well, you can usually find quiet routes um, mm. to get to most places. You're not there aren't that many situations where you're forced to take a really busy main road that's dangerous. Yeah. And so if there was better information available for people to, to use those routes, then potentially that could be a, a an interim way of solving the problem. Okay. What's the best cycle route that you've done in London or outside? Huh. There's actually a really cool one Go on. um, in London. Where, where is it between? Because I like A to B journeys. Like I, I like as cy- opposed to what? <laughs> as opposed to like, you know, circular routes or oh, I as see. opposed I like to like running. rides. Yeah. I, mean, I, I like... I like the idea of using a bicycle as a mode of transport yeah. to get from A to B. So the one I remember is, is from Tom's house, which is near Waterloo, to Vauxhall. And you can pretty much follow down little alleyways, follow the train line all the way down. It's really awesome. And you kind of, you get there and you've hardly seen the car the whole way. Great. Yeah. And I think those little nuggets that yeah. you, you just wouldn't find if you were using Google Maps, yeah. Cycle Navigate or something. It just wouldn't get you, put you on that. Um, but yeah, it can be, I think there are quieter routes to get around the city if you can find them. Great. And so Beeline is going to help people do that? Fingers crossed, yeah. <laughs> um, what are some of the big Beeliners that you've had orders from? Uh, any, yeah, uh, celebrity endorsements mm. or any <laughs> closet cyclists uh, that have come out the woodwork? So I'm not, familiar, I'm not, I'm not, um aware of any celebrities who've actually pledged on kickstarter okay. but um we did have we had an article in cycling weekly way before the kickstarter campaign that chris boardman retweeted do you know, do you know chris boardman yeah <laughs> um, he's a celebrity for all those who don't know who he is uh, he, he won an olympic gold in the early 90s and was kind of a bit of a hero in british cycling um, yeah, and he retweeted and said it was a really good idea. So that's our big celebrity endorsement. Well, that's we all you need. We like... got very excited. We literally, <laughs> we, ju- we just started our Twitter. Twitter had about five followers. But, but yeah, did still, that help? Um, well, he didn't actually retweet with our Twitter handle in. So it was our <laughs> like, lack of proficiency with social media that really, really <laughs> screwed us over. <laughs> And he hasn't tweeted since. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. What, so we on sh- anything? Well, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing beeline related there. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you should just send him something. Send well, him. no, I'll come on to that. <laughs> um, so I'm sure this journey has been a bit of a beeline, uh, setting paths uh, and then getting sidetracked. What are some of the more random things that have happened along the way? Um so yeah i guess quite i mean if i compare it to my previous job in consulting i think there's quite a lot of kind of stuff that i've been up to that i just wouldn't have been doing in that that kind of life i think one of the things that's always surprising is the way you the kind of people you end up working with Mm -hmm. um and uh, so for for example um we uh when we were early on developing the prototypes we were put in touch with a guy who's a guy in Cambridge who could help us with some of the circuit board design. Um, what I didn't know at this point is that he's actually an undergrad at Cambridge and kind of halfway through his engineering degree, but just happens to be some kind of genius at all the things we needed a genius for. Um, and, and so Charlie is still a fundamental part of 
our team he's doing amazing How's work he doing all with the time exams? well yeah <laughs> it's very important that he knuckles down to revision um, in the next few months he's got big big exams in april so yeah um, but no but it's i guess that's quite random that you know we we go we we've been over to cambridge quite a few times to to like student uh, studentville to to hang out with this with a guy who's about more than 10 years younger than us and uh, a lot cleverer yeah <laughs> tends to be the case these days yeah yeah um so let's talk about the f word failure mm-hmm. um what does it mean to you and have there been any low points as yet where you've just thought nah i'm gonna throw yeah. the towel in um well i think one of the ways that we approached this in the beginning was that um we kind of always said this the, for us this is this is going to be worth it even if it's a like flop. a complete <laughs> flop like it's yeah. going to be a bit hard to take yeah in that moment but actually this whole pro- this whole thing is worth it yeah. we're making a product that we think is a good one um and we uh yeah and we're learning those like uh, i would have no idea how to make a hardware device if you'd yeah. asked me nine months ago i wouldn't have have a clue at all um and so yeah i guess we'd always positioned it in our own minds as um it actually doesn't matter if it fails if it if it if it does like go it it works then great but actually it doesn't matter the more you get into it the more people you have involved the more people you have kind of invested i don't mean that necessarily financially but just people who've put effort into it um, you feel more of the pressure on your own shoulders to make it a work and make it last and make sure you deliver. So, for example, all the people that bought our, yeah. our Kickstarter um, uh, on our Kickstarter campaign, if we weren't, if, if something went wrong and we didn't deliver that yeah. product, that that would not be good. And then, and then you know, it, it's no longer the, the case where you know if it fails, it's fine. It's not it's not fine to fail at that level now. Yeah. Um, so uh so yeah i guess it's got unintentionally it's got a bit more stressful in that sense yeah um i think there was a real uh there was a real point just before the kickstarter campaign where we had we found out on the sunday before we were going to launch our campaign on the wednesday that there was a a competitor like launching the day before us what and so we were just like are we even allowed to talk about the name of it no, okay. I don't want to give you any, just don't want to give any, any, any prominence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how did you do versus them? We did all right. Who did yeah. well in the race? <laughs> we, we, we did okay. okay. Um, yeah, no, it, in the end it, it was okay. But, I mean, for, for both them and us, presumably, yeah. it was... Did you, neither of you were aware of this? No. Like running no, up no, to no. it? No, no, no. So, um, no, we, we've... Do you I'm, know the guy's doing it now? So yeah, we've actually been in touch. Haven't, we haven't met them, but we're, we're, we've been in touch. And we okay. actually, in a gesture of uh, healthy competition, <laughs> we backed each other's projects. Amazing. Nice, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. You know, like more cyclists on the road, that's a broader cause. Right, exactly. I mean, yeah. ultimately, if they had the same idea, then, you know, we're okay with that. That's, yeah. That's, yeah, that's more, more, um, more people thinking the same way as us, which is, which is fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was, a, that was a real point where we had a, we had like 24 hours, 48 hours leading up to the campaign. We were just, you know, we, at that point, we'd invested a lot of yeah. money as well in developing the product. Yeah. And so, yeah, for it to flop at that point would have been pretty hard. Uh, luckily, it didn't. So that's good. Um, so that 
that was one point that I can think of. We had another like small disaster when the Kickstarter campaign finished and then the payment system for Kickstarter <laughs> broke at that moment. So we had 3,000 emails saying really? my payment's been refused. Um, what's wrong? And we're like, we don't know. <laughs> Um, but that was all fixed in the end as well. So okay. that was a, that was a problem with the payments provider for Kickstarter. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was sorted. Um, so yeah, and I'm sure there'll be many more. But um, you know, that's all part of the ride. Exactly. No pun intended. <laughs> so I want to talk a bit about your stalking behaviour mm. because uh, we all stalk. <laughs> it's become socially acceptable. Um, so who have you stalked during? beeline yeah to kind of get it where it is today and uh yeah have you tried pulling up to bojo behind that <laughs> london bridge no i haven't where done we that are now. No. Um, <laughs> um, so i'll go back to chris boardman okay yeah go on <laughs> so we I, so i became you know I, encouraged by his tweets yeah i did pursue chris for, for a while um, well I, I actually i got into a good conversation with him over email oh um, okay yeah so i did get in touch with him yeah um through his pr team yeah to to like i was you know to his credit he emailed me back personally yeah um we had a little bit of a backwards and forwards i was trying to ask him to get involved yeah he was like well i can't really because i well he said i can't because okay. i've got other sponsors uh, other stuff blah 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 yeah um and uh but yeah but then i did keep on trying to push it quite a lot (laughs) and he did stop replying so um if you're listening chris i'm sorry about that what about anyone else i won't i won't stop (laughs) there's got to be other cyclists out there uh yeah no we did we tweeted at lowe's um we none of them responded (laughs) we actually tweeted it uh i think i may have tweeted at jeremy corbyn at one point (laughs) desperation Um, not, not in hindsight, that was a horrendous idea. Uh, who else? John Snow, big cyclist. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's he, what that's, I mean. Yeah. There must be a lot yeah, that I was, you just I was would never know. I was genuinely surprised he didn't get back to me. I thought he was a dead cert. Um, who else? Oh, Jennifer Aniston. Did you know Jennifer Aniston used to be a cycle courier in New York? Stuff it. Yeah, it's true. She's very hard to get a hold of. <laughs> Surprising that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's a good point, though. So Beeline works anywhere in the world. It does, yeah. Because it's just based off... The... Anywhere that has GPS, which is pretty much anywhere in the world. That's pretty cool. So have you seen any international uh, kind of customers getting involved? Yeah, yet? we have, yeah. So um, we've had lots of people from um, the kind of the big European cycling places. So the Netherlands have been... Um, they, they were quite supportive on Kickstarter. People from there, people from the Nordics, people from Germany, um, people from Japan. Re- lots Ooh. of Japanese um, <laughs> Japanese backers, which is great. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I've never been to Japan, so I didn't know that they're into cycling. But yeah, yeah. Tokyo is a, a huge cycling city. Who knew? Who knew? Um, and then, and the states a bit like not a massive amount, but a bit. There's like. There are certain places yeah. like San Francisco, Portland, where we've had quite a lot of attention. People getting involved, yeah. What about Bali? Bali. Yeah. No, no, no one. I, I, I can be your first. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should create a map with <laughs> everyone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I we'll just have to like all the black spots. I have to send people there to <laughs> to, uh, to to fill the gaps. Um, okay. So what is Beeline's uh, Beeline. What is your kind of reckless dream for it? 
Yeah, so I think, um, well, to begin with, we are, the, the problem we're trying to tackle now is um, we, we want to give relevant information to urban cyclists to allow them to get around. Okay. Um, we want to we want to broaden that to all cyclists at some point. Okay. Um, and our product now is is just for urban cyclists, really. Yeah. Um, we think. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see how people want to use it. Um, Find out in Bali. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and then, but then I think there's a really there's lots of really interesting stuff we can do um, with the fact that w- with having a connected product that people are using, um, they're kind of providing. We'll be able to provide back data on where they're on like actual routes they're taking okay a bit uh, like the nike running app yeah stuff like that and people uh, can make ridiculous pictures out right of routes. Have okay you yeah seen, the, Stra- have you seen it's the strava routes yeah <laughs> making like dinosaurs yeah exactly they really need to take up some new hobbies i think <laughs> um, yeah no maybe something like that That's um a great idea. uh or, or you know i i think I guess fundamentally, the the issue that we're trying to help out with is that when you're cycling now, of the information that you need to actually successfully cycle and navigate and get where you want to get to, um, it's not readily available to mm. you at the place that you need it. And so we're starting to, to solve that problem by making Beeline, putting that information on the handlebars. Um, but that information we're giving isn't perfect. You know, yeah. we're saying it's over there and it's, this, and it's this far away, which is useful, but it's not perfect. It doesn't tell you like what is the perfect route to get there. What yeah. is the quietest route? What's the most beautiful route? Yeah. What, what's the fastest route? And so, what's the um, mood route? Right. So yeah. I think that, and I, I think that if you could deliver those things, yeah. then that would get even more people into cycling, and that would become you know that that would potentially even solve issues that you would otherwise need infrastructure for. Do you know what percentage of the London population cycle? Um, yeah, so of, let me think about this. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, that's, you, you put me on the spot here. <laughs> All right, let me throw out, let me do the classic. Um, I don't know that number, but I'll give you a different number. Um, so every, every day, yeah. there are 155,000 people commuting by bike in London. Okay. Which is quite a lot. Um, and... I think there is something like in central London, there are about a million people who cycle once a week, or once something. or twice a week. Okay, wow. So that's yeah, uh, as published by TfL. Oh, love TfL. Yeah, really. Or it might, game the, recently. it might have been the Department for Transport. I'm not sure. Oh, One of those okay. two. <laughs> yeah. Still. Yeah. And what about out of London? Do you know? Outside of. Um, uh, no, just within within the UK. Within the UK, um, so I think. It's something like thirty percent of people call themselves a cyclist. Okay. And what that like means, me. right? I've done yeah, my cycling yeah, proficiency I mean, and never exactly. going to get on the road. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that I don't quite know exactly how they define it. But. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so I'm just going to fire a whole load of random questions at you, mm-hmm. um, just so people get a sense of you are yeah <laughs> um so the quick fire round yeah quick okay. fire quick fire round yeah. uh so what is your favorite song at the moment justin bieber oh what? love yourself yeah yeah i mean amazing come on, let's just... i actually learned how to play on the guitar the Stop. other day can yeah. we get it out no no not, not while the mic's on <laughs> i mean do you sing to it too 
but I try sometimes. It's yeah. my morning. It's my morning like it's empower so good, track. Yeah. I've had a real U-turn on Beaver. Recently. Yeah, well, I yeah. think everyone has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Came to his concert, <laughs> flying back for it. <laughs> no. um, which Disney character would you most uh, see yourself as? Baloo the bear. Baloo. Yeah. Okay. I'm a big fan of Baloo. From the Jungle Book. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, really want to do, I'll send you this dub smash video of the Ben necessity. How I've been doing in Bali with lots of coconuts and some nonsense. Really? Yeah. Like, like the pretending to be yeah. the uh, orangutan. Yeah. yeah. That great. That it was, was one of my uh, every morning, like, just get up and do a dub smash. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that working, yeah. especially in Bali. Yeah. Um, what tea do you drink? Um, we would usually just builder's tea. Normal Builders tea. Builders tea. Okay. Yeah. 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 Bre- English breakfast. English breakfast. With milk, uh, no sugar. Very British. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not very interesting. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, what was the last thing you were inspired by? Uh, that's a good question. Um, oh, uh, uh, what was it? Basically, my thing this year is do it is getting out and doing more adventure at the weekends and I think and I'm trying to remember what it was something really random that made me think I should do that I think I watched um for like not even the first time I watched that Top Gear episode where they where they drive around <laughs> drive around Bolivia in Land Rovers and I just thought I'm, I need to do more adventurous stuff on the salt flats yeah 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 I mean it's you know Top Gear's obviously nonsense but that I think it was that uh, we might need to cut this bit out. That's not, that's not the kind of public profile I want. <laughs> anyway, so what, what, what kind of adventures are you up to then? Uh, last weekend I went, I went hiking in Wales. Mm-hmm. It was really snowy. We were going to camp, but then it was freezing. So <laughs> Forget I'm it. really glad we didn't do that. Um, so I've got that. I'm going on, a, I'm going on a, a few cycling trips this year that I've booked. Okay. Going with a friend to... Um, we're going to we're flying to Barcelona with our bikes, and then we're going to ride into um, France along the Lovely. south of France, and then get the train back over a long weekend. Well, that'll be good. Um, I'm meant to be doing a another one up in Scotland later in the year, Perfect. cycling trip. Um, what else? Yeah, doing lots of doing lots of running. I've got a marathon I'm doing in April. We've got quite a lot of side projects. Yeah, going have, on. yeah, yeah. I'm very like. I find it very hard to focus on doing all sorts all the time. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Your creativity. Um, who do you stalk online apart from Jennifer Aniston and yeah. the other people you mentioned? I don't think I do stalk people actually. Really? No. Um, I don't. I don't have like certain people that I really like look to for spiritual guidance or anything like that. <laughs> apart from Belie. Apart from Belie the Bear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't really do that. Okay. Sorry. No, this is probably the only healthy person on the planet right now. Um, and lastly, I guess, what kind of markisms would you give to people who are out there either looking to get into cycling or looking to explore their ideas? Mm. Uh, yeah, looking to make kind of positive impact and change, really, the way we live for mm. the good. Yeah, um, so uh, in my completely unqualified opinion, um, I think, oh, let, let me just think about some exact, like, 
so doing so doing beeline for example yeah. working on this as a as a project i found that because it is in in an area that i i'm really into i'm really into cycling and doing something in cycling it it that's in whatever your whatever your passion is doing something in that field is does kind of provide extra bonuses in the fact that everyone i work with now is into, is into cycle since cycling and and you know so it just means that i've just got a bit more of that thing that i love in my life that that i that i didn't have before yeah um and so it always yeah I, I, i've i've loved the of this process i've loved the people that we've worked with and they've all been so like-minded mm. because it is a project that um you know you just wouldn't you wouldn't really get if you didn't really do cycling yeah. yes it's hard to really um get your head around um so yeah i guess my tip would be um if you if there's one thing that you're really into then um by doing something in that area you, you're probably going to meet other people who are really into that too and that's that's a quite a motivational thing to position to be in great well uh yeah well thanks for letting me stalk you today that's all right <laughs> and uh yeah we can't wait i guess to see beeline out there uh when so when's when's the uh kickstarter order coming in so we plan to ship to our kickstarter backers in august okay um uh however if you miss the kickstarter it's oh. not too late <laughs> okay you can still pre-order on our website at www.beeline.co boom <laughs> get it in there um, and follow you at what <laughs> follow us at ride beeline um on twitter Ride Beeline on Instagram and Beeline is the Facebook group. So. I mean, do you think we can see some kind of Baloo the Bear takeover of your Twitter feed or something it like could, that? It could well be. I don't know. Does he have a Twitter? <laughs> that would be great if he what, did. Set one up. I really need to. You stalk uh, him then. Because he just comes out with some such good advice. <laughs> just listen to Ben. It's, it's full of gems. It's brilliant. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's the plan. All right. So go out, get cycling get a beeline please do yeah alright thanks a lot Mark bye bye thanks for listening if you like what you heard subscribe to this podcast and leave a review a nice one please in iTunes if you haven't already check out my site samirastalks.com and sign up to my newsletter for resources on my blog let me know what you thought too hit me up on any of my social accounts next week I'm joined by Jonathan Raz Friedman from Carno if any of you have been around toddlers or kids recently you'll be flabbergasted at the speed at which they can use digital devices. Carno is on a mission to make the world a place where anyone can make, learn and play with technology. It's right at the front of disrupting the education landscape by empowering kids to make their first physical computer. It's claimed to be as easy as Lego, and on top of that, it's teaching them to code in a fun and playful way. We'll hear Jonathan's story of getting over 70,000 Carno kits into 86 countries as it fits through a letterbox and how they built a collaborative coding community of 100,000 kids. And lastly, how he spent much of his stalking efforts on building a dream team of like-minded people, as well as his views on the need for a more adaptable education system. Join me then. Bye.